Well, hello there. Pull up a chair. I'm going to be inserting this in front of another show and then give you an update of what's going to be going forward because I'm going to be doing some writing on my website about some things I want to explore further. But I'm going to be first talking about this. Um, I am going to be... I would ask you to consider this, okay? If there's any of my work that you'd like to download for yourself, I've never, you know, I've always said, share my work all you want. Um, but, you know, in this day and age with, um, oh, I don't know, you see all these, what they do for control opposition is they take each other down. And, you know, the crazy part about all that is, does anybody have a brain? I mean, do you really think that um, YouTube couldn't do an IP block on you? <laughs> and all these backup channels and stuff. <laughs> So, you know, they create these dilemmas and stuff, but I am here to say that should anything happen to my work now or in the future, I will not be seeking out another place and sneaking around and uploading it somewhere. So it's up to you if you would like to download my work and keep it in a file somewhere. We're going to be entering some times that you may want to have some things, you know, just to look at. So just a suggestion. And I just want to be very clear about that because these people stage all this stuff and then they bounce back and forth and go set up new Pinterest accounts and all that. But that's not going to happen. So download what you want. Okay. Enough, enough said about that. Um, the other show, um, which is going to come right after this show, I'm going to upload three right in a row. Um, I'm having a few problems with my feed, but it could be a several issues, but not, not important right now. Um, so this show, um, you know, I've been saying that I was going to get to who all these people are. This show, bingo, I will be showing you exactly who they are. This is who the black nobility are. So, pretty significant show. Wasn't sure I'd ever get here, but I'm here. So, anyway, so, um, and a lot of things are of interest to me now because now we're here at the black nobility crowd. So let's take more of a look at them. And I think I'll be doing that just on my blog and not be uploading shows. So because here's the thing, because, you know, we're really a trauma-based society because of how we've been set up, right? A lot of mother-child bonding not going on because of the way they got women to join the workforce. The way, all, all that's going on, not going <laughs> to start talking about it now, but... Here's, here's an interesting thing to consider. All of these psychopaths in charge, the black nobility, and none of them, and I'm saying this with complete, complete, <laughs> based on years of research. You know, I started out 25 years ago to figure out who these people are, okay? This is kind of a victory lap for me. Um, but it's been a very painful victory lap. And I will say it right now because some of these people, they have several issues besides being psychopaths, okay? They have, they were all, they, they haven't been having their own children for the last couple of uh, hundred years or more, okay? Because they went through that whole deal with their chins getting screwed up, so they wrote that off as the Habsburg chin and all that. So, you know, we're dealing with some pretty significantly um, disturbed people, okay? <laughs> if I would say it, <laughs> let me just call a spade a spade, okay? Um, a, they're psychopaths. D, they have their own trauma bonding going on, okay? Because um, they, none of them, none of them, or I would say, okay, let me say this. I would say 98% of these black nobility people that I'll be talking about today, I would say 98% of them 
the the people that they tell us are their mothers are their are their fathers. You get what I mean? And um, so that means that them as children were born by a real woman, which had to happen because remember their mom is their dad, and that child was taken from that real mother with no bonding and handed off to this disconnected psychopath. You see where I'm going with this? So anyway, so just a lot of things to think about because um, this is who they are. This is, <laughs> evil knows no bounds. And you see all this black and white stuff around? The reason they have black and white checkered floors is very simple. They, black and white is good and evil, okay? And another thing I'll be publishing on my website is I want to explore this snake business further. This snake business is pretty significant as far as, um, you know, the main eugenicists are the doctors, right? And they all wear snakes on their logos. <laughs> so logically, I would like to show you what I know about that because I have it all written up, so I'll put it as a blog because, and I'll, I'll title the tab blog, so this is not complicated, B-L-O-G, psychopathinyourlife.com. So yeah, there's something about how they tricked the snake business and how we got the two snakes, which is kind of interesting. So anyhow, so what I'm gonna be doing is this, is I will be going ahead and letting these shows run. I suggest strongly, download what you want, okay? Do not rely on me, stop relying on other people, keep busy, keep getting things organized. Um, you know, learn to do with less, learn to do on your own. And remember, um, this is not the only life that we have, okay? I believe that they had those Salem witch trials to convince us and get us in this fear cycle of death. And I've talked about this before. And the reason I'm talking about it right now is because something's been going on here with me. And um, I don't have any fear about death, okay? I would suggest that bring silence into your life, okay? That is going to determine what your actions will be down the road here, okay? Because there's going to be a lot of activity going on. Who knows with this China unleashing all those people. Somebody had an interesting theory. They said that possibly the reason China, you know, did the lockdowns for so long was they were bringing the hardest to control people as a cream, cream to the top. So during that couple year lockdown they could move all those people into where they need to move them to now there was a lot of logic to that and I'm only expressing what I think is a reality okay so yeah they could have used those lockdowns in China to pull the cream of the crop of the troublemakers out because I've said for years they're probably going to put troubled people on military bases here why wouldn't they you know <laughs> come on you know because there's a lot of going on it's feeling like very much like that Soylent Green movie I showed you I have it over on my website and um Soylent Green is about workers, right? Well, what are they doing with workers right now? Well, they're pushing people away from the U.S. border right now. But yet, on the other hand, they're flying in 30,000 people per month from countries like, oh, Venezuela, Haiti, Cuba. So, and then, you know, I've said in the past, Nancy Pelosi made a comment that why don't we shift these people at the border up to help with our crops? Well, they're flying in 30000 a month. Where are those people going to be housed? Well, I don't know. You do the math. I've seen some clips what's going on in the UK that a dear friend sent me. And what's going on there is that those immigrants are being put into hotels, okay? And part of that putting them into hotels 
is displacing other people from the UK. Do your own research. What does this look like to you? So what I'm saying is that what these people do the best is chaos, okay? Chaos and fear. So I would keep your mind flowing as smoothly as you can. I would spend time in silence. I'd get away from these liars on a day-to-day -day basis. Maybe check in to see what's going on, but get your mind away from this stuff. Get your mind back to yourself. You will know exactly what to do, but you will not know what to do if you're not paying attention. So maybe right now would be a good time to consider, just consider it, clearing your mind of all the years of fear, panic, and chaos that these people have created. So I'd like to say that I've enjoyed recording these shows. I may or may not be recording more. You can certainly find me at my website. And what I'd like to do is, of these three shows, let me see. So yeah, so I, I really want to focus on the personality of these people, okay? Because I got the psychopath part. That was the hardest part. Um, and, you know, that part only came because they handed it to me. Because had Intel paid me and not tried to steal from me, I probably never would have gotten on this path. <laughs> so I've had people confuse it and think that I'm sad about having to sue Intel to protect my work. But no, I'm not sad about anything, okay? I am very... Um, let me put it this way. They gave me a big favor, okay? Sure, it caused a lot of years of, you know, struggle and stuff. It's been a long, long path to get here to figure out who these people finally are. And, you know, you know, it would have been a simple thing for them to just pay me because, I don't know, maybe I would have stayed there. Maybe I would have, you know, <laughs> gone for the money. I don't know. You know, I don't think they thought that I was going to sue them is what happened, okay? Because I went from billing rate at $120 an hour to, in the beginning, when I decided to trigger the lawsuit, I was making like $10 an hour. So the whole effort has been to kind of starve me out, and it hasn't worked, okay? And I have a kind of a black sense of humor, so, you know, <laughs> once I get past the, you know, and figure out what it is, I find some of this stuff kind of amusing because, you know, in their greed for control, they just wanted to steal what was a highly successful program and claim it as their own, and everybody knew it was mine, but they thought they wanted to make this bold move, and I didn't want to stand for it, and fortunately, when I decided that I was going to sue them, I started getting into this work because I kept thinking, what is up with these people? I have known these people for almost 20 years. I worked for Intel in the very beginning. I was their first corporate trade show manager. So why are they stealing from me? <laughs> you know, I saw them steal from everybody else. They stole most of their technology. Silicon Valley is just one big pump and dump and everybody's stealing technology from everybody else. So what was unusual with me was I had a marketing, very, very successful marketing thing. I did this design work with the computer chips, and so um, that was the part that became confusing to people that I knew in the area because we all knew they stole, but when they stole from me and I decided to sue them, people couldn't understand why would they steal my marketing project, okay? It, it, it had gone live. It was all over the world. It was very successful, so people couldn't correlate why would they steal from a highly successful program. Well, I finally got to the answer. They're psychopaths, right? <laughs> so, 
So, so yeah, it caused me a great deal of personal pain because I had everybody, and I had a good reputation. I was, you know, I was in Silicon Valley from 79, so we all kind of knew each other. So it was kind of alarming to have everybody kind of sit back and let Intel keep screwing with me. And, you know, again, which helped. You know, the attorneys in the area wouldn't help me. It was, you know, and at the time, I give myself credit now because I didn't realize I was going against the real mafia or something. So, so yeah, so, um, you know, I, I wasn't sure. And I got kicked into gear a few years ago. I, I, I became convinced that I was going to figure this out. And so everything that they put in my path has only helped me. It's helped me a great deal, okay? So let's not go on any kind of sorrow tour, but I want you to keep in mind no matter what happens, try to protect each other and let's show some solidarity, okay? Because the path from here on out, I'm telling you, not going to be easy. Not going to tell you with rosy glasses. I know a lot more than I'm going to say right now in this show. A lot more, okay? About some other things that they have done with me personally. And, you know, I've talked in the past about, I did a show about them using radiation on us. Well, I'm finally ready to talk about it, okay? <laughs> because now I find this trick they have pulled to be funny, okay? Because if there was some thought that giving, oh, I don't know, somebody like myself a little extra radiation, I'm here to say that it kind of backfired because <laughs> it actually helped me to focus my time more closely. And if you look at, you know, it's been accelerating for a while, but just look at my last year of shows. I've been able to research, write, and do a whole lot of work, okay? Well, that's because I have an effort to, let's say, unleash a crippling effect into my home, okay? <laughs> and yeah, I got pictures and stuff. Yeah, radiation is their thing. Because you know why? Because this is how they operate. They're bullies. But maybe they're bullies, not only because they're psychopaths, because they, <laughs> they lack that early childhood bonding. And that's what I want to explore. So, no, I move from step, one step in front of the next step. I will tell you, when I publish the blog about the radiation thing that's going on here in my home, I will be moving into full bull in the china shop mode, okay? You will hear it all. I've got pictures. You'll see it all, and you'll know exactly what's going on. So, yes, of course it's impacted me. Why do you think I, I, I've been modifying along the way, okay? So, anyway, so that's as far as I'm going to say today. So, what I'd like you to do is this first show is about who the black nobility are, okay? And then they actually do have, right now, as I'm speaking, plans to block the sun. Now this stuff just gets wild, right? And <laughs> I'm not laughing about them killing off mass groups of people. What I find the most fascinating that I will be exploring on my blog, because maybe it's because they were so screwed up as children, right? Really, seriously, think about it, right? Because who exactly, because I've talked about this before, the generations before this current group we're looking at were way, way, way smarter, okay? So, and these people have been fed hormones their entire lives. They've been, you know what I mean? So just do the math yourself. Okay, we're looking at some fairly dysfunctional crowds of people. So how much does this childhood bonding play into their uh, pretty direct effort to try to murder the rest of us with his blocking the sun deal? You know, I just want to explore all that because it just seems like you have to have a lot of issues going on 
to A, support these people, because they've got their own staffs of people all over the internet, um, out against the rest of us. To A, support them, you gotta have some pretty serious psychopathic traits or some confusion over money or fear, right? And the core group themselves is what I wanna look at, because I know that they were not bonded as a child, so they think it's okay for everybody else, right? See how they get this kind of thinking? So, um, yeah, I mean, even in California right now, what they're doing with these surrogates is they're making them um, pre-signed birth certificates. Yeah, pre-signed birth certificates. So this is real monster land here, the behaviors of these people. So, yeah, I want to explore that more. So, yeah, they think they're, they think they're sneaky, but I, I don't think the crew that's around now is, well, you just, you have to decide for yourself, okay? Because I'll be talking about the whole Nassau thing in this show. You know, we hear a lot of stuff from these people, okay? And in this show, I will prove to you that Edward Snowden is one of them, right? Because we, we get these ideas. We get these ideas about what they're able to do to us, right? And then driven by the fear of death and all that, it all, it all can accumulate. But my next focus is going to be more about their personalities and you know what about the people that are supporting them i guess they don't realize that they're being poisoned i guess they don't realize that blocking the sun deal is coming up um have they been so blinded by money and they're you know wanting to follow these people that none of this stuff matters i don't know it's, it's just the strangest thing that these people in charge want to block the sun they want to kill us all off in all kinds of destructive ways. And I have to wonder, they're also killing off their own workers. So the people working for them are being killed off by their own boss. And um, how exactly would these black nobility people, how are they going to dodge all these toxins and stuff? Okay, don't start telling me they have bunkers and stuff like that because you're, you're thinking they're much more advanced. These people are still sitting around in millionaires' homes and stuff while the population is getting ready to be starved. How smart is any of this thinking? Poisoning yourself, setting yourself up, because they thought that we're just gonna remain polite. So, all I have to say is, I will explain more of this. Um, I need to close this conversation right now. Yes, I think it's pretty funny, and I'll add one more thing. Having understood the impact of firsthand radiation, I will say this, what I thought was really funny, was that when they came up with the monkeypox thing, well, they showed two signs of things. I don't know if I talked about this or not. They showed two things. I've, I've been mentioning this all along, but not in any specific direction, like, hey, my house is being radiated. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, yeah, they showed two kinds of signs. One of, the, one of the symptoms was a radiation burn. Radiation burn. The other one of these lumps. How do I know it was radiation burn? Well, because... We have the same burns here. <laughs> so don't feel sorry for me. Don't don't feel anything. Just feel alert. Take care of your family. That's all I'm trying to say to you is these people are coming for us, okay? Why? What would drive them to do that? I'll keep exploring that as best I can, but um, you have to decide is what is your relationship with death? What is it? What is it? identify and understand who these people are we're being played by a group of actors okay and i'm wandering here so i'm going to close this off enjoy the show and i will chat with you 
real soon. See me over at psychopathinyourlife.com. Just click on the tab called blog. Give me a few days and I will also be updating my blog with things that I think you should be paying attention to along the way because you know we got a lot going on so pay attention to the show about the sun blocking I'm showing that show to you I'm going to upload it right away I suggest you download it right away and listen to it whenever you want um, because I hope it will encourage you encourage you I'm trying to encourage you not scare you okay I hope it will encourage you to get busy okay get busy whatever we have on the shelf there may be some scarcities and there may things be down on the shelf in the future, but be careful, okay? Just be careful. And um, just know that we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. We've lived our lives under this cloud of fear. We need to identify it for ourselves and really reckon with how we're going to deal with it in the future because I think we're getting kind of close to the wire here. So I'm going to shut off for now. I don't even remember if I mentioned the part about... Um, the UK is bringing in immigrants, housing them in hotels, kicking out. I don't remember if I said that. I'm kind of tired today. So if I didn't say it, I will, I will all say more about the, um, yeah, I think I did talk about it. Anyway, I gotta, I'll close this for now. So I will chat with you soon. Be safe out there, kids. Remember, we're all in this together. Show some solidarity and love to those that are going to be struggling in the future, okay? That's all I ask is just think about it. What can you do to help somebody else? This isn't about us. This is about the most vulnerable. So be safe out there. And the show will air like in one second now. Goodbye for now.
chair. <laughs> Do I have a fun one for you today? Let's cut the doom and gloom and take a closer look at who these psychopaths are. <laughs> well, let me pull up the file here. What I'm going to be doing today is, um, this is the actor show. As it turns out, all of the main people on the screen, because like in the past, I've mentioned Nancy Pelosi and Natalie Wood and those connections, because a lot of them are playing multiple roles. One of them, they get killed off. Well, so where does that trail end? Well, it ends with um, royals. Well, they call themselves royals, okay? They're really white trash, okay, if you ask me, because just look at their feet and it's the way they behave and their manners. So, they call themselves royals. I call them white trash, okay? So, anyway, so, yeah, and they play many roles. So what I'm going to be doing today is giving you an example of Greta Thunberg, the little girl who's talking about the climate change, because remember, all of this stuff we're triggered with right now is climate change. So what better example than this little liar, okay? Now, I have seen a couple of examples of people who think that she's this royal or that royal, okay? I'm just going to go with the one that makes sense for me. And get your pens and paper out or whatever, and at the end of the show, I will give you a list of things to explore for yourself. Okay, just so you could take a look and um, decide for yourself. And let's have some fun today. So I'm going to be talking about Greta. And I also found an excellent um, YouTube channel. I like this guy a lot. She's done a really creative job exposing some of these things. So I will talk about that at the very end here. But let's talk about, let's wind our way through this Greta file, okay? Because to me... Greta is hugely significant because Greta is the one who's going to be responsible for people being conditioned to think blocking the sun is a good idea, okay? So, Greta is, according, well, she may be this person. Like I said, I'm a little bit of a loss with these people because the only royals I recognize would be like, oh, I don't know, the UK royals, you know, our cousins over there. <laughs> I would recognize the Spanish royals. But beyond that, I would have a tough go at figuring these pictures out. But I'm a person who is fascinated by pictures. So if you want more, go over to Psychopath in Your Life, my website. And I have a tab there called Transgender Elites. And I have how they play the thing and who these people are. Like I have that Julia um, Louis-Dreyfus. Definitely some sort of royal person. I don't know who, but look at that neck of hers. You can learn to look for some things yourself because if they have some obvious flaws that whoever they're playing next, they have to cosmetically kind of hide some of those flaws, right? So some people uh, in one of the groups over on Facebook, it's been just kind of fun because when I have, you know, when I take a quick visual break or mental break from all these this horror, I will, I've been popping over there and taking a look. One, um, I think it was this girl, Susie Cream Cheese, so I'm going to give you her thing on YouTube. And she thinks that um, Greta is actually Princess Alexandra Charlotte Yulcre Marianne Virginia of Hanover. Born 20 July 1999 and the fourth child of Princess Caroline of Monaco and the third of Ernest August, Prince of Hanover. Okay, so this relates to who are those Han the uh, Grimaldi's, right? Uh, like I said, I'm not 
the people in Monaco I would probably recognize, but beyond that, but I'm looking at a picture of this girl, okay, I think allegedly she probably in reality is about 30 years old, but we see her as much younger because that's how they positioned her, right? So, um, Greta Tintin Eleanor Ernman Thunberg is a Swedish environmental activist who is known for challenging world leaders to take immediate action for climate change mitigation. Thunberg's activism began when she persuaded her parents to adopt lifestyle choices that reduced their own carbon footprint. Okay, she was born in 2003. Wait a second, do I have the right one here? Um, 2003 in Stockholm, Sweden. The daughter of opera singer Marlena Enman, E-N-M-A-N, excuse me, Ehrman, and actor Savante Thunberg. A lot of these people have acting backgrounds. I guess no one notices that, um, you know, the guy in Ukraine, that little freak, um, Zelensky, um, he, his background is as a comedy actor. His wife was a comedy writer, okay? Uh, and also, I ran across somebody that, um, on one of those Facebook pages, people seemed that there was that, I don't know these actors' names, but some guy, Jeremy something, who got in a wreck in a snow in Tahoe or someplace and bashed his face up and stuff. Somebody pointed out a picture of him and the Zelensky person, and they could be the same person. But anyway, I digress. So, okay. If you really understood the situation and still keep on failing to act, then you would be evil, and then I refuse to believe. Well, I think I know who the evil is. Okay, so, I'm going to, let me play this clip right now of these royals, okay, just to kind of help set the stage here. Um, let me just play this clip, because it will help you to, um, it'll, it'll help to fill in the picture here before I continue on with, uh, Little liar Greta. You know, the trans business across Europe is astonishing. I had a paper some months back where I looked at some of the royal families of Europe going back over the last hundred years. Yes. And you can, oh, they jump out at you. The male qualities there, they are actually comical. I mean, isn't that, but it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, the royal families of Europe are full of. Uh, Some of the junior members of the British royal family. Oh, 
Oh yeah, I, I amongst have around five, six, seven, eight, <laughs> they are just like little boys, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But by by the time they're thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, between the chemicals and the hormones, the surgery and so on, they will be more uh, convincing females than they are. Yeah, it's just such a strange thing to do, you know, for just normal people like us, we just think, why would anybody want to change their gender or pull out, you know, try to do this deception? Yeah. And um, yeah. now do you think it's something they have to do for, to please their gods, right? Their, their masters? I think it is. I think it's, it's part of this cult, club, society. You know, Mrs. Thatcher made a famous remark uh, years back. She was one, and she spoke about a certain person who was getting above the station, and she was saying, he is not one of us. Mm. And, you know, at the time, you would tend to think, well, they're speaking only of the power elite. But now that we have a different coloration on that now because we see it could poss possibly mean that he wasn't a member of this club. One of us, yeah, yeah. One of us. There, there is some and, um, I think um, the Mitfords used to have a term, you and non-you. Ah. The you being us and, of course, the non-you being the rabble. And if you're one of us, then, of course, there must be some physical evidence that you have joined this club. Now, I don't think all of the males have to do it, or even all of the females, but I do. It is quite obvious, the more I study this, these people hate natural women. Yeah, yeah. They hate natural childbirth, they hate yeah. natural marriage, they hate natural families. Yes. Is that their and hatred of humanity they, in general, or what, what, what is well, that Well, it about? seems to be whether it's whether Satan hates women more than men, and this is carried through, or whether it's part of a general uh, strategy that they are following to wipe out the family, yeah. uh, separate sex and marriage. Uh, separate the rearing of children from their parents so that the state raises and brain, brainwashes the child mm. um, and where generation takes place without the uterus because the striking feature of an and androgyne is the thing you can't see they don't have a uterus ah great point <laughs> you know but they always pretend like I they mean, do <laughs> The, the fake pregnant bellies. They have fake well, that's pregnant it. bellies. Yeah, the, preg the, the, <laughs> fake, the fake pre pregnancy. But this is what they all have in, in common. The men who are men don't have a u ah. uterus, and the women who uh, the women yes. who are actually men don't. Yes, yes, yes. So you see, Satan hates this because that's the means by which the Lord brought Christ into the world and caused the defeat of Satan. And also Satan in, in the garden, I mean, he went he went for the woman because he knew that was the weaker of the two, and he could deceive her. And Paul actually says that Satan didn't deceive Adam. Okay. Adam okay. rebelled. You see, Adam had this amazingly beautiful partner, uh -huh. the most beautiful woman who ever lived. Yeah. Satan, Satan didn't, he, Adam didn't really believe the lies that Satan told him. Uh -huh. But he went along with it because he was losing his woman, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and this seems to be all part of it. Satan is attacking women. The attack on women today is staggering. Yeah. And you see how they're suffering by trying to lose weight, anorexia and bulimia 
and yeah. all kinds of neurotic practices and exercising to death simply to look like one of these strange transgender gargoyles i mean yeah yeah and not wanting to get pregnant to get fat and stuff and not and wanting to get pregnant not wanting and to have babies abortion 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 the, the murder of children is anything more pleasing to satan than to have a mother kill her own child wow it's just astounding wow. Well, sometimes things just really start to make sense, now don't they? That brings an interesting picture here for us. So let me pull up this file and let's continue on with Miss Greta. So I'll read how she entered the picture. She entered the picture supposedly at 16 years old, but I don't remember. I'm guessing she was probably closer to 25 or 30 when this all happened. So she was older than we thought she was. Greta Thunberg, a 16-year-old Swedish climate activist, sailed into New York Harbor Wednesday after an occasionally harrowing two-week transatlantic voyage. Greta walks a walk, living her life with, a small, with, with as small a carbon footprint as she can. She decided to forego flying as part of that commitment. So in order to make it from Europe to North America, she sailed on a zero emissions racing yacht. And at the end here, I'll have who these actual people were that were supposedly helping her. <laughs> the day before Greta's arrival on Tuesday, another activist ended a remarkable voyage. Francis Crow, that would be C-R-O-W-E, a lifelong peace activist died at home in western Massachusetts, surrounded by her family at the age of 100. Francis was a firebrand, a non-violent warrior for justice, arrested countless times protesting war, nuclear weapons, nuclear power plants, and more. And I'll just throw in here, part of the deal why they take over these things like for example they put that tranny Gloria Steinem in the feminist movement well they do that and that so we kind of think oh they've got it covered and oh isn't Gloria doing a good job covering it and so we miss we miss a whole lot of the cues right <laughs> if a man is telling us his first a real woman so okay um, so this peace activist Francis Crow a lifelong peace activist died in Western Massachusetts at the age of 100. So the day before Greta shows up, this person dies, okay? The departure of one elder activist on the eve of the arrival of one so young symbolizes bittersweetly the passing of a torch. Well, 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 okay. They always have these interesting little stories they cook up, doesn't it? Frances was born just months after World War I ended. She said, My mother told me she took me to my first march when the soldiers came home, she wrote in Finding My Radical Soul, her memoir. I was only a baby, but I have always had the feeling that war has defined my life. Her husband, Tom, was a medical director. Speaking on the Democracy Now!, hour in 2005 and I'll try to stop interjecting I swear but democracy now okay um, the person that does democracy now is called Amy Goodman okay good man um, 
Amy Goodman, I only found, somebody did a blog about Amy, and I only found one, but it was pretty convincing to me that Amy used to be played by Janis Joplin, okay, and now she's playing Amy Goodman on Democracy Now!, so I'll continue on. So, well, I don't know who's talking here. Let me see here. Frances, we we're talking about Frances. Yeah, Frances was talking. Her husband, Tom, was a medical director. Speaking on the Democracy Now! News Hour in 2005, she described a pivotal moment in her life, August the 6th, 1945, the day the United States dropped an atom bomb on Hiroshima. I was a bride. My husband was in the medical corps in the army. He had told me a few weeks before that he had heard rumors that we were developing this incredible weapon. He was at sea when we dropped the bomb, but I was alone in our apartment in New Orleans. When I heard it on the radio, I unplugged the iron, left the place, left the place map that I was ironing and went out looking for a peace center in the streets of New Orleans. From that day, at the age of 26, until she died, Frances Crow never relented in her pursuit of peace and justice. She was a war tax resistor, refusing to pay taxes to support the sprawling Pentagon budget. She opposed South African apartheid and U.S. intervention in Central America in the 1980s and in Iraq and Afghanistan in the 2000s. She climbed fences in the Sinek Army Depot and was arrested for pouring her own blood on a newly built Trident nuclear submarine just before it was launched in Connecticut. Wednesday at Manhattan's North Cove Marina, a vessel of a different kind arrived. Hundreds of young climate activists cheered as Greta disembarked, standing on terra firma for the first time in two weeks. The ground is still shaking for me, she says as she opened her press conference. The climate is an ecological crisis, a global crisis, the biggest crisis humanity has ever faced, she said. If we don't manage to cooperate, to work together, despite our differences, then we fail. Let's not wait any longer. Let's do it now. <laughs> okay, and I love her little performances. Go go look at her little performances at the UN when she's screaming and yelling and pointing, okay? I'll continue on this article. We first met Greta at the UN Climate Change Summit in Poland last December. So I'm, I think I was at 2005. She explained then on Democracy Now!, well, I think that earlier thing when I went off on Amy Goodman was Greta talking to Democracy Now! So let me carry on here. Um, we first met Greta at the UN Change Summit, and then she was... Well, Amy and Democracy Now! travel around to these places because that's their people, right? Um, so she explained on Democracy Now! that because of her Asperger's, I work a bit different. I see things in black and white. I guess I saw the world from a different perspective. She focused intently on the worsening climate crisis, even suffering debilitating depression until the age of 11. I got out of the depression by promising myself that I'm going to do everything I can to change things, she said on Wednesday. 
That determination led her to launch a school strike for the climate, skipping school every Friday to stand in front of the Swedish parliament demanding action to prevent catastrophic climate change. Her protest spread quickly, adding global going global. Hundreds of thousands of school children around the globe have participated in their own local school strikes for the climate. Friday, Greta joined kids in New York at their monthly strike outside of the United Nations. A global strike for the climate expected to be one of the largest global protests in history will take place on September the 20th. After that, Greta will make her way using a lot of trains, buses, and probably even sailing, she explained, to the next U.S. climate exchange, because she was going to some other climate exchange thing in Chile in December. Greta's work as an activist is just beginning. She is a living example of what Frances Crowe said not long ago. There is something else also to life, the joy of struggle, that not enough, for, that not enough people have tasted. <laughs> Pretty funny coming from them, the joy of struggle. <laughs> the joy of community. Yeah, until you throw a bomb in it, right? And the joy of cooperation instead of competition. <laughs> These are the values that I want to perpetuate and talk about to young people. Francis Crowe, rest in peace. Greta Thunberg, long may you carry the torch. <laughs> There's some of her quotes. I don't want your hope. I don't want you to be hopeful. I want you to panic and act like the house was on fire. <laughs> okay. You felt something because she nailed her four and a half, four and a half hour minutes with a microphone. It was the words she said and how she said them. She was a masterful communicator and we could all learn from her. Here are a few takeaways. I, I did this. I looked into somebody who did an analysis of her speech patterns because they think she's real. Okay. <laughs> the one thing was the you gut punch. You become the target of her criticism. She says you nearly two dozen times in under five minutes. At some point, as an adult listener, that you stops being political leaders and other people over there. It starts becoming you, and it hits closer to home. Are you really doing everything to help? Are you doing anything at all? Then the next little thing these speech people came up with, the thoughtful theme. You won't soon forget being scolded repeatedly by a teenager. <laughs> You'll remember her repeating, How dare you! As you consider your role in this mess. How dare you look away! How dare you pretend! <laughs> that phrase is cutting, simple, and universal. It kind of hurt. And just when you thought she'd lost all hope in you, she says, if you really understood the situation and still kept on failing to act, then you would be evil. And I refuse to believe. She didn't come she didn't come to mince words, but she knew what she knew that you don't get people on your side by only demonizing them. Well, I learned from an old friend from years ago and tech the tech world it is almost impossible to antagonize and persuade at the same time these people have mastered that fine line of abusive walking the line okay one another thing they pointed out was the numbers 
You hear scary numbers you can't unhear. She used numbers to give her story teeth, but not too many to get lost in hard-to-understand climate data. The planet only has a certain amount of CO2 left to give, and it's running out quickly. You don't have to be a scientist to get that. Okay, now they pointed out the emotions. You experienced emotion contagion. She was visibly angry to the point of tears at several big mamas. You felt her pain. Great speakers give audiences permission to feel something by showing the emotion themselves. She teared up. You teared up. She's fired up. You're fired up. You, the audience, are a mirror to a skilled speaker. Now, pretty skilled for 16 years old, right? The voice. You heard someone who could, who could have read from her notes with little inflection or vocal variation, the way most leaders do when reading from a teleprompter or script, but you didn't hear that. You heard someone who emphasized keywords and phrases to drive her point home. She hit the words when she said, We are in the beginning of a mass extinction and a 50% risk is simply not acceptable to us. A vocal change breaks up a speaker's cadence and it grabs the audience's attention. Yeah, she, she starts with, she paused, she says, We are in the beginning of a mass extension and a 50% risk. See, see how they use their voice to draw you back in and then the poise you saw a level of poise that even top corporate leaders struggled to display <laughs> well yeah because we're thinking she's 16 and she's probably 30 right if you watch a video of the talk you saw her hold eye contact with a group of adults as she warned them about the consequences of their inaction that's a breed of bravery that's generally limited to online trolls, not in face-to-face -face interactions. Notice she didn't smile once, even as people cheered and applauded from the audience. She fully embodied the seriousness she wanted to communicate. And then I have some background on her family. Greta's family has been in the entertainment industry for multiple generations. So these people said that somebody had looked her up. I found somebody who had dug a little deeper about Greta, okay? And I guess according to Snopes, they kind of discounted this. Well, Snopes is in. Okay, her father, Savante Thunberg, is an actor and producer. And her mother, Marlena Ernman, is an opera singer and also an actress. Her grandparents, Olaf Thunberg and Mona Anderson, were both actors as well. Olaf is famous enough to have his own Wikipedia page where we learn that he formed a theater club that also included Lat Ekborgs and the poet Bo Settle. I don't know who they are. How did he make these connections? It doesn't say. He went on to do voiceover on the radio program Manon, The Man in Black where he presented stories of horror and the supernatural in his deep voice. In other words, mongering fear and chaos. Sound familiar? He, was, he has done prominent voice acting for Swedish versions of classic animated films such as Lady on the Tramp, The Jungle Book, Snow White, The Land Before Time, and Monsters, Inc. 
As usual, Greta doesn't come from obscurity, but from a prominent family of actors. If Greta gives you hope that your precocious daughter might one day be invited to speak at the UN, I'm here to dash those hopes. <laughs> Only the children of the elite get afforded such national attention. All the above should be enough to close the case on Greta, and I still haven't even touched on the biggest jaw dropper about jaw dropper about her. She is related to the Nobel Prize winning scientist Savant Arias, A R R H E N I U S. Never heard of him? Don't worry, Wikipedia will clue you in. Arinthias, in 1896, was the first one to use basic principles of physical chemistry to calculate estimates of the extent to which increases in atmospheric carbon dioxide, or CO2, will increase Earth's service temperature, Earth's service temperature through the greenhouse effects. Isn't that just amazing? Grandpa was doing the old Nobel Peace Prize thing. Those calculations led him to conclude that human-caused CO2 emissions, and this was back, what was that, 1896? Okay, right in our target area, right? Funny how that always seems to work out. Okay, uh, these calculations led him to conclude that humans caused CO2 emissions from fossil fuel burning and other combustible processes are largely enough to cause global warming. Just amazing stuff, right? This conclusion has been extensively tested, winning a place at the core of modern climate science. So Greta just happened to be related to the father of modern climate science. Seriously? That's pretty much flips Greta's entire theory on its head, doesn't it? The media is not aware of this connection, mind you. Well, I don't think most of these people have the brains enough to know what they're actually doing. That's all I'm going to say. There are a few sites out there that mention it, but they pass it off as a funny coincidence, even claiming Greta was un unaware of her relationship to Arnarius before she became interested in climate change. If you're naive enough to believe that, you will believe nothing, anything. I found this photograph of Arrhenius with chemist Wilhelm Atwal that appeared in Popular Science Monthly. Otwald is credited with the Otwald process used in the manufacture of nitric acid. It was a breakthrough that enabled large-scale production of explosives just in time for World War I. <laughs> Otwald was a big fan of eugenics. To give you an idea of his ilk, we could pick up the threads of Greta's genealogy through Armstead since he has a genie.com page. Immediately we notice that the name Arntes remains surname for many generations dating back to the mid-1700s. Yeah, um, there is a lot to all of this, okay? And I'd like to point out, there is one person online who is 100% one of their agents, okay? His name is Miles Mathis. You probably have run across it. You notice the M.M.? Well, Miles, on he, he does a blog, okay? He, he also claims he's some science expert, okay? He's been around for the last few years. Very well-funded. And um, 
he also, somebody turned the tables on Miles and did a genealogy on him. Because all Miles does is do all these genealogies. I'm not saying all, that gets dismissive. But he does all these genealogies, genealogies on celebrities. But he leaves off a few key details. This is why they get their own people in there. So most people think, oh, Miles has got the genealogy covered. Well, let's think about this for a minute, okay? I open the show. I'm real sure that Greta's not really Greta, right? So what really does her genealogy make? But they've made it interesting in how they wrote this Wikipedia page. See what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, so Miles goes around doing all this stuff. And then they make very uh, interesting comments. Like Miles will do a genealogy of, let's say, Michael Douglas and his dad. He'll be yapping about them. And then he'll say, um, yeah, well, Michael inherited that chin from his dad. Well, I've talked about this in the past. He probably was using hormones like his dad, not that he inherited from his dad, because they haven't been having their own children for a very long time. So, so what happens with these controlled agents is they put a lot of ideas in our heads, right? You know, they say these things if they're like a fact, right? So we start thinking that, yeah, okay, well, you know, we, 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 missed, we missed part of the big picture. So somebody did a genealogy on Miles. <laughs> I swear, most of social media is all these people doing shows about each other. But anyway, so somebody did a show about a genealogy about Miles. And I'll post it on the website one of these days. But it's kind of interesting. So he actually traces up to some royalty people from, I can't remember. Anyway, he's a real nuthead. And he, um, he also posts pictures of himself at his website. So I didn't have to do any computer hacking. He looks rather questionable, okay? Um, but anyway, so his role is to run this blog and to try to convince us that all these royal people really are real. You know what I mean? Because they gave themselves these royal titles when they created this whole concept we're living in right now, right? <laughs> so these things just become reinforcers of that concept. And then we, we fill in a lot of blanks with starting to assume a lot of things, right? Uh, because for once, we've all assumed that she had, those were really her parents, right? <laughs> so, and Miles is also really big about pointing out that they're all Jewish, okay? So, yeah, it, it's just a big, so anyway, so um, they say that crime art also links back to the Nobel Prize, Um there was a crime art, which is a former head of information for the Nobel Prize, who now works for a very spooky organization called Mistra Geopolitics, an affiliate of the Swedish Foundation for Strategic Environmental Research and the Stockholm. And I went on to say, why does, this was somebody was looking into her genealogy, and some of it's just not important because we don't really know who she is, right? <laughs> I don't want to get all buried in the weeds here. Okay, um, they went on to question, why does environmental research need to be strategic? From whom is it strategic? That word should always cause alarms to go off in your head. One of the first questions we read on Mistra Geopolitics page on global challenges is this. What happens to global trade when the ice continues to melt and open new transport routes in the Arctic? Yeah, um, it went on to say, tell me, does that sound like you're interested in fighting climate change or exploiting it? Yeah, um, 
I think, and you'll find it if you go look at one of these clips, this whole thing is getting us set up for this climate thing. And more importantly for these greedy psychopaths, it is to enforce a whole bunch of climate taxes and stuff, okay? It's always about robbing us. So, um, and he went on with some of these people, but that, that's not the point that I'm trying to get here, okay? Because he's always... Oh, it, this was an interesting thing. Because remember, those royals are from Germany. The UK royals came from that sax group from Germany. And this family name is Greta Person that's in front of us. Uh, this Some of these things in these made-up people could possibly be true. Now, for example, Greta's genealogy may say all this, and that's how they then pepper the stuff into the Wikipedia page, right? Because somehow they really wanted us to know that she came from some pretty scientific background, okay? And then probably when they put these things out there and it gets questioned, they say, oh, well, did we ever say that? So, yeah, so um, it's kind of hard to be full-time lying, okay? It's not that easy. Okay, so then I found an article about, it was called The Elite Machine Behind Greta Thunberg. A look at the powerful, elite-backed machine behind Greta Thunberg and the true agenda behind her world tour. That was from the Vigilante Citizen, okay? And there's pictures of here showing a lot of one-eye symbolism, right? Okay. In the matter of a few months, Greta Thunberg went from a lone girl protesting in front of a, the Swedish parliament to an international phenomenon. Although mass media is making it seem as if this meteoric rise to prominence happened organically, this is simply not true. Behind Greta is a major machine, one that, control, one that is controlled by major international actors and backed by major funds. This PR machine... Hang on one second. Sit up here. By the time I'm finished recording, I'm like all slumped over. <laughs> okay. Where was I? <laughs> oh, this PR machine has allowed Greta to make the covers of magazines become the subject of thousands of news articles while being photographed with world leaders and giving speeches at elite organizations such as the United Nations. Although Greta might be very... Oh, excuse me. Although Greta might very well be genuinely concerned with the fate of the planet... Her message is carefully crafted by those who control her to generate a specific response from the youth. They do all this kid-on-kid -kid marketing. If you've noticed the entire profile, like for example of YouTube, all those young tranny kids trying to convince other kids. I've even seen these tranny kids bring in their fake tranny parents and, and say, Man, my dad was cool when I decided that I wanted to cut my dick off. <laughs> they have some really... Everything is a stage. The majority of those channels over there are just stages because people are so dumbed down. They don't see that we went from mainstream media or MSM as a chant. I swear to God, some days when I'm scanning around, I think I'm going to go dizzy, okay? Well, I'm not MSM. Come over to my YouTube channel. I'll tell you the truth there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like Rogan is nothing but a little woman pumped up on testosterone. Okay, so yeah, they have this whole thing about this MSM business, and it is working like a charm. So, um, let me wander back on track here. <laughs> okay, although... 
In short, Greta is the face of a major marketing scheme, a tightly coordinated international effort to sell global warming through a specific lens, fear, panic, and urgency. Before going further, I need to point out that I am neither a climate denier nor a climate activist. This is not my field of expertise. I never analyze any data regarding climate change and its correlation with human activity. I am far from qualified from speaking about this issue, so I won't. My field of expertise, says this person, not me, my field of expertise in mass media and its relation to power in the read this first article of this site, I explained using quotes from the founder of the Art of Communication how mass media is used to shape and mold opinions. The rise of Greta to international prominence is a clear-cut case of agenda setting, which is defined as follows. Agenda setting is the creation of a public awareness and concern of salient issues by the news media. As well, agenda setting describes a way the media attempts to influence viewers and establish a hierarchy of news prevalence. Two basic assumptions underline most researchers on agenda setting. Number one, the press and the media do not reflect, reflect reality. They filter and shape it. Number two, media concentration on a few issues and subjects leads the public to perceive those issues are more important than other issues. Most media outlets are owned by a handful of mega corporations making it very easy for the elite to saturate the world with a specific message. And the meteoric, meteoric rise of Greta is a result of this kind of media saturation. In fact, her entire movement is undeniable proof of the extreme reach and power of mass media in the world today, which is able to create massive movements out of nothing. Mass media programming is particularly effective on those who did not develop an acute sense of critical thinking, notably young people. And the Greta phenomena was custom made to cater to this very specific demographic. It was called the um, Communication Act. It was in the 90s, and Bill Clinton did it. And basically what they did was they, um, there were all these agents, news agencies and stuff. They basically combined them all, right? Here's what I think. I, okay, I think this, okay? I have no way of knowing this. Nobody invited me to the meetings. But here's what I think. They were consolidating the media at that point in the 90s. What else were they consolidating? Just think for a second there. A certain image, a certain look, a certain person. Were they consolidating to only put transgender people onto the main screen in front of us? Because, I've said this in the past, all of the people from Hollywood are transgender. All of the ads feature trans. We have had this in our visual thing for, since the very beginning. They've been showing us these ads and all this. That's why I think people are so confused about Every once in a while, I'll make a crack on a thing. And I don't make them anymore because I almost got myself banned. But um, sometimes I'll do a swing-by crack. Like there's that woman, Kathy Wood, who hangs around Elon Musk. Man, that, that is a man in a wig if I've ever seen one. And so people were talking about something. She's just a con artist, but people were talking about her. And... Uh, <laughs> so, 
so I jumped into the conversation and I said, that's not a woman. And that's all I said. And somebody said, what are you talking about? And I said, doesn't anybody know anatomy? Look at that jaw. That could crack raw walnuts. And they said, you're crazy. <laughs> Why is that always a response I get? Of course I'm not crazy. She's a man, okay? Nobody wants to hear it because they confuse our image of what these freaks look like. So, yeah. I don't, the, the account, what had happens is I very rarely comment, okay? But I got this bug in my tail one day because there's an uh, online place called The Hill. It's a big publication in this country, political place, right? Well, The Hill broke apart, and they broke apart to this other group um, called, uh, well, it was The Hill, then it was Rising, and then there's other group called Breaking Points. They're all agents, okay? So they broke up, and so <laughs> luckily before I made a crack on that show, and I've only made a few. I'm not, I don't sit around all day making cracks on YouTube. <laughs> so I was itching to say something about their wigs because there's a girl named Katie Halper. There's a girl named Crystal Ball. Crystal has the biggest Adam's apple. I cannot take my eyes off it, okay? And they're all wearing those lace front wigs. So because... <laughs> Because I've been on this wig thing for so long. And this was a couple months ago. So I didn't do anything overly sneaky, right? I just set up a new um, Google Mail account just because I'm that kind of lazy, right? I wanted it to be like with my Google account. I wasn't doing any kind of high-tech snooping around. because I, I've never, you know, when I first went online, we didn't have multiple access to email boxes and stuff. So I never got in the habit of a million email boxes. So I thought, well, just to be simple, let me quickly set up a Google box. And thank goodness I did because that account got zapped. <laughs> so thank God I wasn't cracking, making wisecracks under my show or my real account. So I just dropped into the comments. One of them I dropped into the comments and they didn't get me. And it was with that crystal ball. And I dropped it in the comments and I said, wow, what an Adam's apple. <laughs> and I actually, I had the best day of my life, okay, just by that one comment. And here's why. Because people actually responded to me. They didn't call me crazy. They said, hey, thanks for pointing that out. Wow, she's really got one. <laughs> so I tried it again on Katie Halper. And um, her parents, you know, they're all in it, okay? I tried it on because she has a really obvious lace front wig on. So I made some crack. All I said was, and this was on my new little sneak account, I dropped in the comments and I said, hey, nice lace front wig. What are all you people bald? <laughs> Something like that. So next thing I checked, I had been uh, removed from the platform on that account. So thank God I didn't have my regular account because then I'd be scrambling to get it back. So. That was my life of making nasty comments about transgenders. Only because it's my theory that most people have been so blinded by all the things they put in front of our eyes that I really don't think that many people can really tell. And things have been so morphed with all this mutant business. So let me get back to this little Greta thing because I had some interesting pictures of her, her and her family. Okay. And it, it shows mom and dad and her and some other kid. Okay. And what is strange about it is this. <laughs> I mean, let me try to just focus on one thing that's strange about it. <laughs> Besides mom's jawbone and wig. Okay, so 
It's a picture, and under the caption it says, A young Greta posing with her famous parents for a magazine. Notice the one-eye sign made by both children. It is downright spooky, okay? <laughs> These two kids giving that one-eye salute. So, if you look for the key words, you can find this picture. Just post in, Young Greta posing with her famous parents, and notice the one-eye symbol. Both children are doing okay. Okay, um... Okay, I think she got, she was singing it. She got invited to swing. Okay. She, the mom was at Eurovision 2009 giving the one eye signal. Found a picture of that. Um, mom was on the cover of VI magazine. The quote under her face says, <laughs> We all sell our souls to the devil. I'd have a hard time making some of this stuff up now, wouldn't I? Okay. In 2017, Erman, that's the mom, won the WWF Environmental Hero Award for her involvement in the climate issue for the past several years. About a year later, Emmons' 16-year-old daughter is seen protesting in front of the Swedish parliament. The perfect storm begins. So, yeah, kind of funny how that works. Right? 2017, mom's on this magazine, and then pretty soon the daughter's shown depressed looking out in front of the parliament okay on august 20th 2018 greta thunberg sat in front of the swedish parliament with a sign saying school strike for the climate four days later the book scenes from the heart was published by her mother <laughs> and then i pulled up a picture of the scenes from the heart the book I do have a thing for pictures. Okay. <clears throat> Written as a family autobiography, the book discusses various issues, such as Greta's Asperger's syndrome, which Ehrman describes as a superpower. In one bizarre passage, Ehrman states that Greta can actually see carbon dioxide emanating from vehicles and buildings. The perfect timing between Greta's strike and the book release was not a coincidence. <laughs> and Greta's strike certainly did not go unnoticed. On the very same day as the first strike, a picture of Greta was published on the Facebook page of We Don't Have Time, a social network for climate change. The page is managed by Ingmar Rentshog. A, a specialist in financial marketing. Rentshog is also a chairman of the Global Udmanning Board, a think tank that promotes sustainable development within social, economical, and environmental dimensions. The Global Utman Board was founded by the Swedish politician and econ economist Christina Persson who is the daughter of the billionaire political and entrepreneur Svev Persson. Backed by this machine, Greta's story garnered intense and immediate media attention in Sweden and soon after around the world. After a few months of weekly strikes, Greta took a year off from school to focus solely on climate change and begin a tour of the European cities. During these events, a woman was also often spotted advising Greta. 
and the person's name was Louisa Marie Neubauer, N-E-U-B-A-U-E-R. Neubauer is a member of One Campaign, an organization managed by Bill Gates and Bono, which is heavily funded by George Soros, George Soros' Open Society Foundation. On the Associated Press fact-checking site, an article with a bizarre title, Climate Activist Greta Thunberg Does Not Have a Handler, asserts that Luis, Luisa Marie Newbar does not serve as Greta's handler. It nonetheless admits that Newbarmer is linked with this powerful Soros funding group. Well, even they were presented her as 16-year-old. It would seem natural that she would have somebody with her, right? According to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation website, one organ, one originated in, excuse me, one originated in conversations between Bill Gates and Bono in the early 2000s about the need to better inform Americans about extreme poverty around the world. Yeah, I'm not sure where this one thing comes in, but the one campaign has ties to Soros, founder and chairman of Open Society Foundation, which works to build democracies. So, uh, I have a, yeah, according to Bill Melinda Gates, I don't know. Well, they're all connected, right? Brooke Havaliv, a communication officer with Ocean Open Society Foundation, told the AP that the organization has given $10 million to the One Campaign since 2001. I don't know what the big deal about the handle was, but... Through these powerful connections, Greta skyrocketed on the world stage. She gave speeches at TEDx Talks, the European Parliament, the United Nations, and was even nominated for a Nobel Prize. She also met with world leaders and celebrities across the world, including the Pope. Sitting there with a little beanie cap on. <laughs> of course, mass media went into overdrive to turn Greta into a larger-than-life icon as she graced magazine covers around the world. Yeah, and I found a whole bunch of those pictures of her only covering one eye. That seems to be kind of a big thing with that family. Um, and then there were pictures of her as a religious figure with a halo behind her head. Um, from a lone girl protesting in front of the Swedish parliament, Greta turned into a figure of heroism and martyrdom. Okay, I talked about this. She was touring Europe. She hopped on the boat to come over here. Um... I think that's about all we care about her right now. Let's see. So somebody did a thing called Greta's role. And as we see, remember, this stuff gets confused because going into this, we were all thinking that Greta was really only 16, right? Although many are ready to deny this fact with great vigor because it goes against their agenda, Greta is merely a pawn. She is controlled by powerful people and big money to promote a specific agenda. The agenda is not merely about climate change. It is about climate change through a very specific angle. Her role was perfectly defined by Greta herself during a speech at the World Economic Forum. 
and she said, Adults keep saying we owe it to the young people to give them hope, but I don't want your hope. I don't want you to be hopeful. I want you to panic. I want you to feel the fear that I feel every day. <laughs> panic and fear, two words that lead to hasty and irrational responses based on negative emotions. And this fear and panic is being thoroughly ingrained into the youth, creating a generation that is convinced that the world is burning. Yeah, I think that this thing had, and I'm not going to go there, a tremendous, tremendous impact on giving kids anxiety and stuff. Greta is the face of a massive youth push across mass media and the education system to convince children that their house is on fire. Since children absorb the information that is given to them without any kind of questioning, this push has created a new worrying phenomenon, eco-anxiety. Instead of enjoying their childhood, children are growing up with a sense of dread and impending doom. Researchers are also linking environmental concerns with cases of anxiety, depression, and even suicide. Greta herself communicated this feeling during her, U her speech at the UN. How dare you! You have stolen my dream and my childhood with your empty words! How dare you! <laughs> and then they went on to say, <laughs> in conclusion, any person who dares to take a critical look at the Greta phenomenon is immediately faced with the same backlash. How dare you bully an autistic, autistic child and the other one is, you're a climate denier. As seen above, this article was not about Greta herself, her looks, or her mental health. It was about those behind her, the powerful machine that provided her the platform to become a media darling. Furthermore, this article was not about denying climate change or any other environmental issues. It is about how this issue is sold through a specific lens, one that is based on fear, panic, and urgency. And also chaos. Like any other important issue, pollution needs to be addressed in a rational manner, starting with the core so sources of the problem. In the U.S., the sectors of transportation, industry, and electrical power account for over 80% of greenhouse gas emissions. So transportation, industry, and electric power account for 80%. You always want to blame it on us, right? In other words, elite-owned corporations are the main polluters in the world today. They are the ones emitting tons upon tons of carbon dioxide in the air while dumping tons upon tons of toxic waste in water streams. Instead of tackling these industries head-on, the elites prate around an autistic girl, films world leaders clapping at her speeches, and encouraging children to be afraid. Why? Because they are truly looking for what they are truly looking for is control and submission. And the best way to obtain control and submission is by creating a fearful and panicky population that begs for governments to fix its problems. So I'm going to get to the real fun part here now. Okay, um, I'm going to give you get that writing pad out. Okay, so oh, let me tell you a couple of these people. Um, I already talked about that Noombarger person earlier, but um, there's more here. This 
Louisa Marie Newbar, the coach of Greta Thunberg, is related to the founder of the Rothschild dynasty, Meyer Amschild Bauer, who changed his last name to Rothschild after returning to Frankfurt to take over his father's business. Louisa Newbar's job is a climate activist, and she volunteers for the one campaign founded by Bono and Bill Gates, which also has ties to Soros. Okay, so, although she was Jewish through her father's Rothschild lineage, her mother is part of a family of Nazi collaborators, the Remsen family, one of the biggest tobacco... <laughs> what do you think the odds we are would have smoked on our own? One of the biggest tobacco and cigarette producers in Europe, whose scandals involving tax breaks during the Weimar period were influential in destroying public trust in the government. People are just such angels. The new bombs are also extremely influential through Racine, Wisconsin, which is interesting. Okay, this is actually why I'm telling you this, because who, who really cares a whole lot about these people, right? So this girl that's helping... That's the coach for Greta, traveling around and stuff, is this new bomber person, right? So they're also through racing. There's a person named Jeffrey Newbar, and that person was Bill Clinton's campaign manager for Wisconsin in 1992 and 1996. Um, yeah, so somehow. Now let's get to I'm going to give you some things to go take a look for yourself, and then I'm going to play you a, a thing. Okay. There's a couple of groups that I really recommend over on Facebook, okay? One is called Royal Actors Destro Destroy Humanity. Royal Actors Destroy Humanity, okay? And you'll find on the header of that um, Facebook page, they have Edward Snowden's picture on the header, okay? And what I'd like to point out to you is this, is that this is how some of these lies work, okay? It's to give us impressions, ideas, make them look bigger in our minds, right? Well, Edward Snowden, who I haven't looked him up on that royal page yet because I've been a little busy, but I'm assuming this group is, is okay. They have his page on the cover. So I can't, you know, i got to conclude that he is related to some royal, Edward Snowden. He's, he's a big picture on the royal stage. He's, he's one of them, okay? <clears throat> So what was Edward Snowden's role? Well, he was telling us all this about NASA, right? How NASA's got all these secrets on you. NASA's breathing down your back. NASA's going to get you any second. Well, do we really know that any of that is true? Now, I could have tons of information sitting right here, but if I never organized them or did anything about them, th does that really mean anything? So we really have to relook at everything these people say, and why was Edward Snowden in that position to snow us? to give us ideas about what NASA does or doesn't do. NASA is a dickless wonder society, okay? They sit around computer graphics and cook up all this Saturn stuff and all that. I don't know. I have a hard time believing that the Edward Snowden version of what NASA is really about is really true. Why would it be true? Why would it be true? Just ask yourself that, right? Okay, so there was a gal... And remember, I have talked about Ted Bundy. I think that, no, I'm just thinking, okay. I've said in the past that there was this case 
this land case involving this person called Cliven Bundy, okay? And I'm kind of going to wander loose here a little bit on this one, okay? I don't really know. But I did find a clip because I've read that George Bush, I think that maybe it's possible, okay, that George Bush is playing Cliven Bundy, okay? And Cliven Bundy, in his older stage, looked very close to Ted Bundy to me, okay? How the Bundys got in this picture in my head is that in March of 2014, there was a famous case between the Bundys and the Feds. It was claimed that the Feds owed a million dollars for their cattle grazing on federal property. And this big, big, fake thing ensued. Well... This channel called Suzy, and you want to write this down, S-U-Z-I, next word is cream cheese, C-R-E-A-M-C-H-E-E-Z. Suzy has done a terrific job, and I pulled out my favorite ones, okay, for you to take a look at. Um, she has a great one on the Bill, Hill, and Phil show about Bill and Hillary Clinton with some allegations of the different play, the roles that Hillary plays, okay? She also has some very interesting stuff about, the show is called Epstein Island. Epstein Island shows some characters who are playing Jeffrey Epstein. So, um, oh, I forgot. She did a show on the Bundys, okay? And that show is called Lavoie Finicom and the Bundy Gang edited, okay? You'll find it right there. Bundy, she only has, I don't know, 20, 30 shows there. So, um, Susie Cream Cheese, okay? And she also has a great show, <laughs> I thought was terrific, about Melania Trump. It is titled, and this is a mind boggler, okay? Because Miss Melania plays several roles, but I'm not going to kill the lead. Go look for yourself. It's called Melania, the Ultimate First Lady. <laughs> okay, then, let me see what else did I have here. Oh, this is, so, so anyway, so I keep running into the stuff about George Bush playing Charlie Manson. Um, did George Bush play... Um, Bundy, don't know, right? Um, so um, I found <laughs> in my search for odd details, somebody did a clip that did a voice analysis between George Bush and Charles Manson. <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I'm really sorry, by the way. This microphone picks up everything. I, I can't lean far enough away and cough without having it still blast in your ears. <laughs> Okay, George Bush and Charles Manson have remarkably similar voices and share some mannerisms. Check it out sometimes. It's a little more pronounced in relatively recent Manson appearances and when the crazy mofo isn't too agitated. Sometimes he sounds a lot more like a cross between Bush and Willie Nelson. So let me pull up this clip. It's only a couple of minutes, and you can hear for yourself. Um, <laughs> just listen for yourself, okay? People don't know this, but my daughter Jenna and you are good buddies. Yes, we are. And so my attitude is, if you're a good buddy of Jenna, you're a good buddy of mine. I'm the only president with both parents alive after the presidency. Really? 
which is a huge blessing. Yeah, it is. It is. And so, actually, I'm the only pr one or two presidents with both parents alive during the presidency. Well, I think uh, this isn't the first time our nation's ever been divided. Um, I remember what it was like when I got out of college. There was a Vietnam War and a draft. There were major race riots. There was political assassinations. The president was nearly impeached. And a lot of people thought the country was going down the tubes, and it turns out we're too strong to go down the tubes. Okay, now let's let's segue in. I'm not a person to interview. I don't like to play interviews. I'm stuck under a game of men ignorance. I'm stuck under little brain people, you see? And I have to uh, I have to try to get around that the only way I can. The only time I can get on handcuffed is when I'm here with the media. I've been 20 years in handcuffs. If that makes any sense to to anybody in this world, you know, 20 years in handcuffs, you know, so we can play daddy, you know, to you. I mean. And, and listen, I mean, you, if you don't hear, you, you, you hear it there. You can hear the cadence, the the intonation, the delivery. It's Bush-esque. And well, I'm just laughing, too, because I'm watching this this Charles Manson one. And if you want to see it, it's, Charles, it's, a, it's called uh, Charles Manson Interview with Kenny Daniels. And you can see it, man. You can see whoever plays Bush, because Bush, that's not even his real name. Again, these are all characters. These are all actors on the world stage, man. It's a 24-hour job. This is a, a grand illusion, people. You need to see this now. Believe what I'm what I'm telling you. Okay, you're you're not crazy to believe this. You are actually you have a high IQ, and you are far ahead than you can possibly imagine. I have to agree with that guy. Well, pretty interesting, huh? I hope this gave us a break from all the horrors of blocking out the sun and all that that we kind of needed. So I'm going to be closing it out here. I'm going to be playing another song by The Who from 1978. What else did I have to say? It seems like I had something else rattling around in my brain. Well, I'm sure I'll have more later, but I think this will give you a good place to start exploring yourself, kids. Open up those eyes. Use that brain we've all been gifted with. So here we go. Goodbye for now. Unless I think of something when the song's singing. There's always that possibility. <laughs> I'd have to sit here and listen to the song, and I might think, oh, I better say this while I say it. Because if I don't say it now, I'm probably not going to say it in the next show. So anyway, so here you go. The Who, 1978. Won't get fooled again.
what's interesting about these people is that I was sitting here thinking while that was playing. Um, I was I graduated from high school in 1969. I covered some of this in that MK7 show. People get all that stuff confused. It was this, the MK7 in giving us kids LSD was a specific point in time. Okay, and I ended up in Santa Barbara from 1969 to about 71. And how did I end up in Santa Barbara? Well, because I had to leave home two days after graduation because it was a ruckus time to be a parent. <laughs> uh, you know, my dad was a military officer. He was working at the base up there. He was retired and working at a base in the area where we were living at the time. And uh, they just did not know what to do. Now, they couldn't catch us with a pot because back then we had Mexican pot. And that didn't have any smell. So they couldn't catch us with the smell of the pot, but, you know, we were going to these concerts, and it was all set up. All these concerts were set up cheap enough so us kids could go and all that kind of stuff. And we went, I mean, we would travel to them. I don't know. I was really what I call the free-range generation, okay? We basically left home in the morning, went out and played all day, and somehow, I don't know how, because none of us had watches, we knew to be home in time for dinner. And we got into all kinds of stuff. So yeah, so um, yeah, it was it was a pretty turbulent time. So my dad instinctively knew that we were up to something, and he saved my life because had he not tossed me into reality, God knows, because I had friends that went to hate Ashbury and became like I don't know, it was like losers and stuff, and yeah, kicking me out was a good move. <laughs> so yeah, so but you know he just had this instinct that something was really going on so anyway so you know when you have decent parents hopefully you don't go too far off the edge so kicking me out of the house at that point was definitive so yeah during that time i can remember those concerts basically because what i didn't know and i only found out when i did the research for that mk7 show and i'm bringing this up because we have a lot of perceptions okay we have a lot of ideas that we have entered into our psyches okay and what entered into our psyches at these concerts well we had now remember i was an 18 year old kid it was 1969 right and we had and every major group came through santa barbara during that time okay we had um well we had a pick of all kinds of concerts, music, and all kinds of stuff, right? And during those concerts, here was what they were doing to us, okay? They were giving kids LSD. I mean, I, I saw the people. They offered it to me. We were kind of sly kids, so we always took our own because we didn't trust the LSD. I've always been this way, so we didn't trust the LSD from strangers. <laughs> I can mainly remember the concerts by what stunts we pulled during that time because we thought the cops were going to get us, right? So we went to, for example, the Donovan concert. Well, the concert let out wasn't that long, and we we decided that we were way too stoned on LSD to hit the road because we thought, now there were cops at all these concerts, right? But they were told to stand down. No kids got arrested. But we thought, we thought we could get arrested. So like, for example, after the Donovan concert, we sat in my friend's Volkswagen, we all drove Volkswagens back then, and just laughed our heads off for about an hour before we hit the road. I remember seeing Jim, Jim, um, 
Jim Morrison. By the way, Jim Morrison also played um, Chevy Chase and um, Rush Limbaugh. So anyway, so the second concert we saw with Jim Morrison, I remember exactly because that was the first time one of my Joker friends brought along some mescaline, and we took that instead of LSD. And Jim Morrison, the, the opening act was the Chambers Brothers, which was a great act. They were very popular at the time. By the time that Jim Morrison got on the stage, he was so stoned, okay? Now, I don't know if he was really stoned or not, because remember, we were high sitting <laughs> there watching him. So Jim Morrison, that was like the year before he died or fake died or whatever. He was so high and so out of it that he actually... It looked like he pulled his penis out of his pants, but did he have a penis? Well, I really don't know. I kind of doubt it, okay? But anyway, so there he is on the stage, and he's just in such horrible shape, he's yelling at us kids in the audience. Well, it was, I think, at the Santa Barbara Bowl or something. At that point, it got so crazy with him on stage that they opened the gates. So most of the kids were leaving at that point. But me and my friends, (laughs) we were pretty streetwise, so we didn't leave. We stayed there because, here again... We thought the cops might get us. So I'd like you to think about a few of these things. How informed is the information we get based in reality? How much of it is based in reality? Do we really know that? Do we know what Edward Snowden was telling us? Do we know any of this stuff really, really for sure? And until we start questioning absolutely everything about these people, let's not keep getting suckered in. And keep stacking. Remember, we're all in this together. Let's show some solidarity. Be safe out there. Goodbye for now.